Not a better outline title than Has the Nuclear Family Bombed? Has the Nuclear Family Bombed? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am sure nothing, and you are everything. May you hide me behind this principle of this fifth commandment, the first one to mankind, with mankind, and the only one with a promise attached. Lord, help us to be, yes, honoring our parents, but perhaps even a higher level of being honorable. And so, Lord, help us, all of us, there's something here, I believe, for all of us in some capacity. Lord, help us to walk with you. May we have a heart to, to see people get saved. I would have that. Thank you so for the answers to prayer in Africa. So many coming to you across the world through faithful missionaries and people serving. May it be us here at our church remain steady, yes, but also may we grow. May we see new people come and people be saved. And perhaps those who used to tend to come back. Lord, help uh, our, our world to turn to you. And Lord, bless our time together. Please be with Cindy and those helping next door. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One man said, nearly all, he said, nearly all I know about God, I learned first from my father. And I would say that in my regard, my father was a very godly man and I learned so much from him. Curtis Jones said, there is a crisis in America as crucial as civil rights, dangerous as bureaucracy, insidious as communism, unpredictable as politics, and uncontrollable as inflation is the erosion of the home. The erosion of the home. And, and when this book was written, I took the basic outline from, a lot of information from, it was the late 90s. Can you imagine 25 years, 30 years later, how the author would have, have, have changed? Dr. Rogers would have changed a lot of his pages. It was back in 92 when, when Dan Quayle got in the hot water regarding the show Murphy Brown. They're talking about families and, and in particular, the problem of absentee fathers. And he said this at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco in 92. He said, it doesn't help matters when primetime TV has Murphy Brown, a character who supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent, highly paid professional woman, mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone and calling it just another lifestyle choice. And when he said those words, you can imagine the media storm today would be like, oh, you are the far right wing right now. That's how far we've come. And so but it would be a media storm no matter what. So, but he's not alone. And recognizing the disappearance of dads is destroying the families. And it's interesting. It's about 39.9% of children today are born into uh, unwed mother homes. And 39 point something. In the African community, it's right at 70%. Right at 70%. Uh, and, and so, but Dan Quayle was not the first to recognize the importance of both parents for healthy families. I know there's some reason they're not, uh, and some legitimate reason it doesn't happen. But as a whole, God said, honor thy father and thy mother. We have had just in our last week, we have had the changing or the codifying uh, supposedly of homosexual marriage. I tell you, God set forth marriage. And there's one thing that two people of the same sex cannot do, and that is bear children. Well, the singular purposes of marriage is for the establishment of homes. Again, I'm, I'm, we need to love the sinner and the people who sin. My, I sin. I don't want to, but I sin. But we should not go ahead and then say, okay, well, then we're just also going to sign on for everything else with it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The fifth commandment is again the only one with a promise. So has the nuclear family bombed? I would say in societal purposes, yes. 
But God's word has not changed. It's interesting that we, by the way, who's redefined when life begins? Who has changed the way Americans think about premarital intimacy? Who is eager to reshape our definition of the family to include any and every grouping imaginable? It is not the Bible-believing Christians. It is not. We're the same place we were 40 years ago. It is not us. And so it's not like we've suddenly become some antiquated, can I just tell you, we are on the right side of history History only in the last 20, 30 years has all this come on the scene and been accepted with, with, with open arms by, as we talked about this morning, Sunday school, the elites of the world. It was 95. I didn't realize this, but 95 at the World Conference of Women. The goal, quoting now from their agenda, the goal is to give members of the human family five genders from which to choose. Now, this is 1995 in China instead of two. We free, we, when, freed, when freed from traditional biases, a person can decide whether to be male, female, homosexual, lesbian, or transgendered. I didn't know that term was all the way back to 95, transgendered. And quoting, still quoting, homosexuality is considered the moral equivalent of heterosexuality. For women, however, the preferred love relationship is lesbian in nature. This is from the Conference on Women in 95. You wonder how we've gotten to today. It's because some long time ago we sort of let it go, and we preachers, but I put a lot of onus on us, we have not held forth the word of God as we should. Clearly stood on what the Bible says. Doesn't matter who what Pastor Tim says. What matters is what God's word says. It will stand. The earth will crumble, if you would. The kingdoms will crumble, but God's word is going to be there Amen. all along in the end. I can tell you who wins. I can tell you what's still standing when it's all over. The Bible stands. Men fall. God gave us families for living together. Your family is intended to be a little part of the Garden of Eden. Now, it's not been a Garden of Eden around our house the last couple of days, last, starting last night when the, two, when the new cat arrived. It's not been a Garden of Eden around our house, but it's supposed to be there. Children still need families. God gave us families for learning. That's how we're to train our children. It's up to you. Somebody's training our children today. Lots of times it's not the parents. It's the society. It's their peers. And families also for lasting. We are to last. Uh, you want a life that extends on. Honor thy father and thy mother. The days may long, be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. We're to keep the commandments. A businessman well known for ruthlessness once announced to Mark Twain, he said, well, before I die, Mr. Twain, I mean to take a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and I'm going to climb up Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments from on top and read it out loud. Mr. Twain said, I have a better idea. You could stay in Boston and keep them. Stay in Boston and keep them. A Jewish man was confronting a Christian man and said, you know, you people borrowed our Ten Commandments from us. And the Christian said, well, we may have borrowed them, but we sure haven't kept them. Sure haven't kept them. And that's, that's, that's us. We have it. Now, I'm speaking in generalities of us as a people, as a nation. One thing is, it's sure, a quick way to shorten your life is to disobey your parents. Is the family important? Yes, Plato said before even Christ was born, the life of the nation is the life of the family written large. And is that not so true the life of the nation is the life of the family written large. Lord Shaftesbury in England said, give me a generation of Christian mothers and I will undertake to change the face of English society in 12 months. 12 months. So let's, I want to turn this a little bit around for us here and not just honor our parents, but by the way, we should honor our parents. And Becky was telling me and Carol, was it 10 years ago today? 
Mr. Southworth was taken home. My dad was taken home about 12 years ago, the day after the ninth. So it could be, yeah, 12 years ago. 12 years ago on the 9th, 26th of December, 2009. My mom left, you know, last September, September ago. And they were honorable. Larry, an honorable man. My parents, and you have, you have I'm sure all of us could rip, our parents have gone. Honorable people. We are to be honorable. And so it's not just honoring our parents. We need to strive to be the kinds of father and mothers and aunts and uncles and grandparents that are worthy of honor. That should be our striving. Fathers, if you want your children to respect and honor your mothers, it's a responsibility for you to teach them. I'm not a responsibility for my children to honor my wife as their mother, and I believe they do. They're not perfect by any means, but they honor her. That's true whether a parent is worthy or not. There's a sense that we are children are always to honor and respect their parents. The Hebrew word here really means to make heavy. So it's, it's, it don't take your parents lightly. We're to honor them. What they say to us should have a lot of import in our lives. And I trust that it does. They're not perfect, but they should be honorable. Shaquille O'Neal wrote a rap song called Biological Didn't Bother. His father deserted he and his mother when he was six months old. He hasn't talked to him since he was uh, and at all. And once the NBA, one time at an NBA Bay ball game, this is a long time ago, his father was in the crowd, showed up, and Shaq was asked about him. He smiled, disappeared, and he said, that man doesn't exist to me anymore. By the way, I'm thinking financially, that man's really, I wish I'd done it differently. Just from a financial standpoint, my son's got a lot more than I'll ever have. And so there we go. But you see the importance of biological, uh, of being a parent that is honorable, whether biological or, or adoption, whatever. Just if you're a parent of a child in any capacity, we are to be honorable. And remember, though, even though you live an honorable life, you cannot guarantee children are going to do as you would want them to do. But the Bible says, right? Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the Bible also says how to be wealthy. Does that mean every single Christian is going to be wealthy? No, we understand that. Many good godly people are not wealthy. A proverb is a general principle. Pride applied generally brings a general result. General principle, when generally applied, brings a general result. It's a short sentence based on experience. For example, early to bed, early to rise, will make a man healthy, Wealthy and wise, unless you're like running through the fog and get hit by a car one morning when you got up really early. So that's a general principle, yes. This is not, not attempt now to take the Bible less serious. I encourage you to take it extremely seriously. But remember, the two the first children in the Garden of Eden were perfect, and they and they still had problems. Did not pass all tests with flying colors. Because what? God gave us a will. We choose to obey or disobey. We choose to love Him. He, he does not have want us a robotish affection and love. The late Ryan Rogers said, God gave children a will. That is the reason I believe you ought not to have goals for your children. I don't have goals for my children and grandchildren, he says, but I do have desires for them. He says, goal for myself, yes, because I can control myself by God's grace. My desire is for godly children and godly grandchildren. My goal is to be a godly father and godly grandfather. But my desire for them, and I trust we probably understand that our desire for our children and grandchildren, that they would walk with God. You probably, I trust you're praying that end. A little salient point. If your children's success depends on your or our being perfect parents, they will fail because nobody's perfect. If their success depends on us being perfect, they're not going to succeed. 
Now, how to gain your children's honor? Five steps. Number one is by loving them. Where to love? Real parental love is not giving your children what they want, but giving them what they need. And often kids spell love, T-I-M-E. We are to give them time. We are to give them our listening ear. How do we love them? By touching them first. There's that old bumper sticker, uh, kids need hugs, not drugs. And so uh, that's, uh, they do need hugs. Remember in the, the, the prodigal son comes home, Luke chapter 15, verse 20, and the father saw him a great way off and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and hugged him. It was the, it was the kind of falling and kissing this over and over again. He was so glad. He was home, a grown man who, met with, who had, had a son living with the pigs, it wasn't a whole, he didn't approve of what he had done, but he loved him. And, and the frequent hugs, by the way, will be good for your children. Keep them physically pure. I believe if a father hugs his daughter in the right way, it keeps them, maybe they won't need that hugs from somebody else. Hug your kids often. Hug them affectionately. Hug them supportively. Charlie and I did the, the sideway hug yesterday after, after, after we were uh, at uh, shopping. So I said, Charlie, we just give them a sideway hug like that. It, 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 expressing affection in the right way. As you well know, I'm very cautious about hugging ladies uh, at all. Very, very rarely do that. Every once in a while, perhaps. Uh, but I try to, you know, that's a little bit of a, and you probably have the same way regarding, you don't, honestly, you, I mean, hey, as a whole, we do it the right way. Every once in a while, you know, you need a hug. I saw the guy in the mall yesterday that was going to be witnessing, and he gave me a hug right there in front of everybody. Just, you know, Mark, I don't remember, I don't remember his last name. He works for FedEx. He used to see him at the hospital. We talked many times. But he's a, he is a soul winner guy, and he was waiting for another guy to go soul winning with. Gave me a hug yesterday. Don't hold your affection back. Please don't do that. Secondly, not only by touching them, but by loving your children. By, we love them by blessing them. Kids need strokes, not pokes, if you would. They need to say, in the name of Jesus, I want to bless you, and we should want God's best for them. Can you imagine when you tell your children and grandchildren, you're special to God. God has a purpose for you. Do you not believe that God has made everyone the way he wanted to be made and given us all special abilities to do what he has called us to do? Older children need to know that you believe in them as well. It doesn't mean you have to approve of everything you do. But what is the opposite of blessing them is trying to force them. Like one father said, son, I always wanted to be a professional golfer. And I couldn't do that. So, son, you're going to be a professional golfer. You're going to go on the PGA Tour. But, Dad, I don't even like golf. I don't care. Son, you'll be a golfer if it's the last thing I do. And it may well be the last thing he does. That's not blessing your child. It's a blessing when you take... It's not... It's blessing when you take their joys and sorrows seriously, when you listen. So, that's the third thing. Touching, blessing, and listening. Do we listen to our children? All the way back in 1990, the Wall Street Journal said that the average parent spends less than 15 minutes a week in serious discussion with their children. Less than 15 minutes a week. And for fathers, the amount of intimate contact with their children on average was 17 seconds per day. That was 1990. I have no misconception of why we are today where we are. We put out God, we disobey God, and God's taking his... In many ways, taking his hand of blessing off our country. Okay, go on your own way if you want, but there's going to be some, there's going to be some fallout. You have sown to the wind. I read it recently. I can't remember exactly where it is. You're going to weep the whirlwind. You're going to reap the whirlwind. 
Not only love your, by listening, touching, blessing, but also uh, love your children steadfastly and consistently. Unconditional love at home doesn't mean you approve everything they do. And finally, through your prayers. We should be praying for your children and grandchildren. I trust you're doing that. Pray for them in many ways that God would use them and bless them and work in their lives and they would be willing to be used by God for His purposes. So but how do we gain the child's honor? By loving them secondly. By lifting them in Colossians 3.21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. I remember we were looking at working at Bible Truth Music, and Stephanie and I were together at probably about 2011 or 12, somewhere in there. And I talked like 25 hours one week uh, to, it was a foreign country, uh, regarding our QuickBooks trying to, and so I developed a southern Russian accent. Or Russian, or this is a crazy thing. And my daughter, Kendra, did not like, I go, Kendra, how are you doing today? I just want to know about you and how you're doing. And I thought it was Vlad. I don't know what kind of accent. It was crazy. And she, she didn't like that at all. So I thought I stopped it because provoking, provoking uh, children to anger. And so I was calling my grandson Javier. I said, Javier. And, and, and so Jack didn't like that. So I had to stop doing calling him Javier too. And encouraging. We are to be encouraging one another. Encouragement is better than praise. Children need encouragement the way a plant needs water over and over again, dose after dose, day after day. You can, when you catch them doing something right, let them know what an encouragement that is. Wow, you encourage my heart by doing that. Praise. Your child brings home stray A's on a report card. Praise says, oh, that's wonderful. You're brilliant. You're a hard worker. Dad's so proud of you because you got straight A's. But what about if his card has F's? And D's on it. What are you going to say then, Dad? Or if you're one of those mothers who needs a writing vacuum to get through their child's room, you'll be tempted to lavish praise on her. Mom, I'm so proud of you because you cleaned your room. I can see the rug now. What if you can't see the rug? I heard a parent say regarding their son's clothes this week that they must have, uh, he must have blown a whistle or something like that and called them all to attention because they're all standing against the wall in his room. So there we are. Her clothes are all against the wall. There we are. We get a, see, but what this actually means is I get approval when I've done well. Approval is something I can earn. And when I do the right things, my parents approve of those things. And so I'll just make sure that I do well so that when they won't be disapproving and, I, and my self-image won't go down the tubes. Praise says, great, you cleaned your room. Encouragement says, it's great that you got your room cleaned up. I really appreciate your effort. Wow. You a little difference there? Encouragement focuses primarily on the child doing the achievement rather than achievement itself. Encourage them. We all need encouragement. We really do. There's nothing wrong with praise, but encouragement, I believe, is stronger when it shines the spotlight where it needs to be on the individual rather than the achievement. You did a good job on that. How to gain your child's honor, grandchild's honor, loving, lifting, and thirdly, limiting them. A teenager once wrote to Ann Landers and said, I'm a 15-year-old, and my biggest problem is my mother. All she does is nag, nag, nag from morning to night. It is turn off the TV, do your homework, wash behind your neck, stand up straight, go clean your room. How can I get her off my back? Sign pick, pick, pick. Well, Mrs. Landers, Miss Landers said, dear picky, turn off your TV, do your homework, wash behind your neck, stand up straight, and go clean your room. So that we need limits. They need limits, and it's healthy to have limits. First Samuel chapter three, verse thirteen. God about Eli says, "I have told him that I will judge his house forever, for the iniquity which he knoweth, 
because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. Not. He didn't set any limits for his sons. It cost him all very, very dearly. Your child needs to have limits. When grandchildren, as you have opportunity, when God puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, there was a, there's a limit. You can do this, but you can't do this. One thing they could not do, even though they did it anyway, God's example of setting limits, I believe, is a positive one. As parents, we know that already, grandparents. When you give your children limits, they will test those limits. Children push against their parents' limits, if you would, to see if they're going to remain steady. If they move, then their child loses a sense of security. When I pushed against my limits, and I got in trouble because I got... My curfew was 11 o'clock, like in high school senior. 11 o'clock at night. I mean, that was... Or was it 10 o'clock? It was, it was, maybe it was 11 o'clock on the weekends. But I had to get in my van. I thought, you know, I, I'm a high school senior, 11 o'clock. But when I got, you know, it's like I came in past 11. I don't, it was very rarely. Uh, I can't remember even one incident. I got in trouble for it. Well, I, I mean, I should have gotten in trouble. And that helped me to know that they still are concerned about me because of the limits. I'm just in my head. My, my, these are my heads around me. That's my hands. What I'm doing. The heads around us. A failure to place limitations on a child does not really communicate freedom, but rejection. See, we, our society, we've given our children everything materially they could possibly want. Do whatever you want. That's not the best thing for them. They really want you to care about them. Where are, they, where are you? Why are you late? Why are you late? Our society in general looks up upon rule setting as something that is bad, but is one of the most valuable things I believe a parent can do for their child. Years ago, Ted Koppel, ABC News, uh, put, was speaking to Duke University graduating class, and he said these words, In the place of truth, we have discovered facts. For moral absolutes, we have submitted moral ambiguity. We now communicate with everyone and say absolutely nothing. We have reconstructed the Tower of Babel, and it is a television antenna, a thousand voices producing a daily parody of democracy in which everybody's opinion is afforded equal weight regardless of substance or merit. Indeed, it can even be argued that opinions of real weight tend to sink with barely a trace in television's ocean of banalities. What Moses brought down from the Mount Sinai were not the Ten Suggestions. They are commandments, are not were. The sheer beauty of the commandments is that they codify in a codify, however you want to pronounce it, in a handful of words, acceptable human behavior, not just for then or now, but for all time. And that was a TV anchor man, Ted Koppel, that said those words. But they're true. I would preach, I would, I would like those words. I wish I'd said them. One of the Hollywood's top producers of situation comedies is reported to have said some years ago that it was his sincere conviction that for any kind of television script to be commercially successful, it had to violate at least three of the Ten Commandments to be successful to be a script in Hollywood. When you laugh at something, we start taking that not quite so seriously. For instance, we're, sometimes we're afraid and we start laughing at things. We now have become people of, we've not... Learn, we've forgotten how to blush, I think, in many regards. And we laugh at things we should. I think sometimes we have to do some, I think we're coming to the point almost we have to do some extreme things. Stephanie, I don't have TV. I'm not boohoo in TV. But I am saying we're going to have to be cognizant of how that is influencing my thinking. 
the things that I read on the news, the things that I'm watching. Have you ever sat and watched the news and what are they really trying to tell you? You read most of the media and they have an agenda. It's not news, it's ideology promoted upon you. I tell you what you need to do. We need to turn that thing off and read our Bibles or read good books about the Bible or things that would encourage us. That's what we need. I'm not saying when your time is. I don't know when your time is you've got to make some, some, some strong, strong stands, but better to make a strong stand and be thought a little bit weird and follow God than to let that continue to be in your house, and your home, changing with the culture. We have to set some standards somewhere. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? No, we can't. Can we two walk together except they be agreed? No. Gain our children's honor by loving them, lifting them, limiting them, and leading them. Study once disclosed that if both mom and dad attend church regularly, 72% of their children remain faithful in attendance. If only dads attend regularly, 55% remain faithful. If only mom attends regularly, 15% remain faithful. And if neither attend regularly, only 6% remain faithful. It is... You are a father in a home in any capacity, Grant. You is our responsibility, men and moms, to be about the Lord's business. How do we do that? By showing them. Train up a child in the way that he should go. So then you don't have any regrets. We're taking care of our parents in different times of our lives. And we would say, I don't want any regrets. So I want to, we're going to do this because I don't want any regrets when they've gone to glory. I don't want to look, oh, we should have done that. No regrets. Laura Schlesinger, the conservative talk show in a, a book called The Ten Commandments, The Significance of God's Laws in Everyday Life, said this, quoting, Parents are teachers of faith and morality. What God is to the world, parents are to their children. Unfortunately, some parents become so focused on the element of friendship or their own convenience, comfort, self-fulfillment, happiness, or love life, that they forget their job is to help mold moral character so their children will have the strength to do what is right in a world that sometimes encourages them to do otherwise. And the quote, I was telling the folks at church uh, I was reading about or learning about Johann Sebastian Bach, and uh, I actually got his... Uh, his number of wives and number of children, correct? And my wife asked me, but he had 20 children and wrote a new cantata for three years for every Sunday. And everything he did was for the glory of God. Now I sit back and I just, I just think for just a moment, the care of 20 children, being a father to 20 children. Now some of you have, my father-in-law was from 11 or 11 kids, I think 11 kids. That's, that's a lot of kids too. But you see, we have become so far, we've gotten so busy, and Satan's probably greatest tool he's used in American Christian life is busyness. We've gotten so busy with things that necessarily aren't bad, but we, we lose focus on what is the priority of our lives. I have done it many times. <coughs> Do we learn to play football by simply reading books? No, a player who's going to play football goes to training camp and lifts weights and, and takes some licks, etc. He spends a little time in the library looking at the chalkboard, but what he wants to do, he wants to go out there and, and do the hitting and knocking and crashing and cackling. A man who wants to train honey dogs, does he take, he takes them out into the woods. Isn't it amazing? We train our dogs and don't train our children necessarily, and we tie up our dogs at night and let our children run. Well, I said, what? We train our dogs. 
Who's going to teach your children and grandchildren these traits? Contentment, courage, courtesy, discernment, fairness, friendliness, generosity, gentleness, helpfulness, honesty, humility, kindness, obedience, orderliness, patience, persistence, self-control, tactfulness, thankfulness, thriftiness, and wisdom. If you and I as parents don't teach them to our children, who is? I tell you, it's not going to be the world that teaches them those things. It needs to be us. How do we gain the honor of our children? Step number five is by laughing with them. Pastor, you need to learn to laugh. I, I know that. I was laughing. I was telling my wife that as at lunchtime before we got about the picture I saw and, and that had uh, a former president of America, Xi Jinping, and a former president of America, and they're right beside it was Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. And that you, you, can see, you can do it for yourself and see it. And that was not well received by the Chinese emperor and, and lord of all, Xi Jinping. And he did not receive that well. But laughing, we didn't lighten up just a little bit. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. I remember Ian, we were living in, in New Jersey, and we had a, he was upstairs by himself in this little like half bedroom up there, and he was he was he was such a really 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 good kid uh, at that point in time, and uh, he's still a good kid, <laughs> but he was so well behaved, and so he was making. I said. Ian, I don't want to hear another peep from you. And so I'm halfway down the steps and he goes, peep, just like that. And so rather than get up and thrash it, I just, I just had to laugh. It's one of those things, you ever had that with your children? Just, man, it just, it just was really funny. And so I had to laugh. And uh, that's, we sometimes need to loosen, I need to loosen up just a tad, a, a lot, okay? Allow your house to be filled with fun. You know, I, I was thinking, he wrote, Dr. Rogers said, don't worry so much about the few fingerprints on the wall. Thank God for them. You have plenty of time in your retirement to repaint the walls. So I'm not even retired yet. I'm already repainting the walls. So don't worry about things like that. Make your house the happiest home on the block and your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will rise up and bless you for it. I'm not saying lower your standards. I'm not saying cave in and, and, and compromise. I'm saying let's be honorable. By, in our lives before others. A little boy was talking to his dad and he said, uh, he, he talked to his dad about what little boys know and what their fathers know. And the boy asked, do fathers always know more than their sons? And the little boy's father said, yes, son, they do. And the little boy said, who invented telephones? And he said, Alexander Graham Bell, his father said. The boy said, if fathers always know more than their sons, why didn't Alexander Graham Bell's father invent the telephone? <laughs> We need to laugh. Uh, it was this was a number one hit, only one number one hit for a man named Harry. I can't remember his last name. Chapin. Uh, Harry Chapin. Uh, baby Chapin. And it was in 1970. Give me glasses on so I can read this thing. Uh, it was a uh, number one hit in 1974. Harry Chapin, and it was called Cats in the Cradle. It was a song by the first person of a father who was too busy to spend time with his son. And it speaks for itself. So I'm going to read it and then we will pray and close in just a minute. Listen to these words and think about families. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the casual or usual way. I'm sorry. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. I learned to walk. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. I'm going to be just like you. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, no, not today. 
I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile, let me tell you, he said, I'm going to be like you. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like you. Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. Well, he came home from college just the other day. I, so much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When are you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. You know, we'll have a good time then. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and my kids got the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's sure been nice talking to you. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he's grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When he, when he coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. You know, we'll have a good time then. That should break our hearts. That is exactly, exactly where a country like ours has gone. We put so much time and effort in getting things and not spent time in the one thing that you can take to heaven. That is our children. God does not call us to be rich or famous or even wise. Be ye holy as I am holy and set and live for me. I wonder how we're doing. May we be the kind of parents and grandparents that our children and grandchildren can honor. May they rise up and call us blessed. Let us pray. Lord, a very uh, emotional poem for me even to think about. Lord, help us as children of parents who are aging or having children of our own or grandchildren or even great-grandchildren of our own that we will be honorable. Yes, honor, respect our parents, whatever age they are. And then, Lord, help us to turn that around and to be the kind of parents that people can honor, children honor. So, Lord, help us to walk with you. May this commandment be simply not something that we just slough off and say, oh, it was very nice and some good thoughts and a funny story here and there. But Lord, may we, may we honor you by being honorable and ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we do uh, one?